we just had to tell a story like three minutes at the end of the class. And I just told a story about like how I got circumcised at 19 years old for a girl. Can you give it to me again? This is like a casting couch situation. I like when I can oh. hear myself. This is hot. What's up, dude? Mario, what's up? Man? What's up? Good to see you. Thanks for coming man, on, dude. I appreciate you. I appreciate your energy. Like I said, I'm German, so I appreciate how I walked in and like, It's the most efficient podcast I've ever had. I love it. So Mario, guys, is from L.A. in New York uh, for, I guess, yeah. a week or so. And then you're going to be back for the New York Comedy Festival. You're yes. doing a show. Yeah. When did you move to L.A. from Germany? Uh, four years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And you learned English in Berlin? Well, or thing wherever is, you're from? No, I'm from a small town in Germany called Alpiesbach im Hochschwarzwald. I, know. Well, I, know. I always love how Americans react to that like one. What's like that? What's maybe the English version of that? If you can. Um, I mean, it doesn't really mean anything. The water is all you, by the way. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Alpiersbach Bach means creek, and Hochschwarzwald means like the the higher Black Forest region. So, so yeah, you're in the forest by the creek. -ish. Exactly, forest by the creek. Small That's town. Small town. And eight hundred people, bro. But how is your English so good? Do you go to school outside of the small town? Maybe? You know, some people are just gifted with, <laughs> <laughs> with many things, apparently, right? <laughs> so I learned English when I grew up in school, and then I went to um, New Zealand when I was eighteen. Learned some Kiwi English there. You know, had you go some, to like, school there? Or no, there for Germans travel reasons. a lot. Once yeah. you finish high school, most Germans. What I did when I finished high school, I didn't want to go straight to uh, university. So I went to um, to New Zealand and I did a backpacking trip just for you. You take a year off after high school. That's yeah. what most Germans so do. So in the U.S. they call it like a gap year. Exactly. But it's kind of frowned upon. But in Germany we can do that shit because like college is free. There's just like more and, and Germans are more, I think, independent. Right. So we travel at a young age. I did student exchange programs when I was like 13 years old, lived in France for a couple months with a family. Lived in Peru when I was 15 for a year. You know what's so different about Europe is like, it's close to a bunch of other countries, right? Yeah. That you could just take a train there and it's like yeah. 30 euros or something like that. Exactly. Or like a, you know, even plane tickets, like Ryanair is like a cheap airline. You oh, can yeah. fly, you can fly to like Milan for like 20 bucks. Yeah, Spain. man. Like the only yeah. thing in the States, if you're trying to get away or trying to like experience something, there's only really a few places you can go. Maybe there yeah. are like national parks that are dope, but yeah. December or January in New York, the only place you really want to go is Miami. Or if you're yeah. doing something professionally, maybe you go to LA. Sure, sure. I feel like we, we Europeans just travel at a younger age. And I think that's where we're a little bit more independent. And that's what a lot of people do. It's just like in our nature. Also Germans, I read a study that Germans travel the most out of all countries. So, yeah. It's also that, like a wealth thing, I guess. You know, yeah, because, right, right, right. Yeah, it's hard to travel if you're, you know, from... Indonesia, I guess, is a little bit more difficult. Yeah, because <laughs> also, like, I, it's so much more expensive, I feel like, to travel that way Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So how yeah. has the transition been from Germany? Well, I guess, was it New Zealand and then L.A.? Or is Germany? Dude. Talk about your journey, man. So, to okay. American Idol as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, the journey, I don't fucking know. So I was, <laughs> it, it all started with modeling. I was scouted by a modeling agent when I was in Germany, my hometown. On the street? No, on Facebook. Because there's, oh. no, there's no fashion industry in Alpiesbach im Hochschwarzwald, Germany, okay? There's no scouts or anything like that. So it's basically on... Um, <laughs> I you, love that name. Can you we say get, it? Yeah, we got to... All right, yeah. Can you give it to me again? Alpiesbach im Hochschwarzwald. Can you break it into <clears throat> syllables? Alpiesbach. Alpiesbach. Im Hoch. Im Hoch. Schwarzwald. Schwarzwald. That's pretty good, yeah. Uh, I don't think I remember all. Just have a little bit more though. anger and a little bit more, you know, yeah. it has to come from the balls a little bit more, and then yeah. you got it, you know. I, 
Ja, that energy like that. Ja. Im Hochschwarzwald. Im Hochschwarzwald. Ja, ja. So now then I, I was scouted by a modeling agent and he um, he's from New York actually and he was a scout. He was like, hey gorgeous, eggplant emoji. He sent you, <laughs> you the should, eggplant emoji? I mean, kind of. He was like, hey gorgeous and he was kind of flirty. But I didn't get it at the time because I'd never been around gay people and around like, you know, right. I was very, I'm ve you very innocent. the eggplant emoji was? Not really. No, hmm. no. We don't have eggplants in Germany. <laughs> no. <laughs> also, this was also, mind you, this is early on, the second like 2014 or something like that, 10 years ago. Um, And then he said, hey, come to New York. You can stay with me in Harlem at my apartment. And I had no idea about New York or the US. I knew New York City. I'd never heard of Harlem. I thought, wow, Harlem, that's so exotic. Yeah. So I, I went to Harlem and I stayed with this dude for like a week. And he introduced me. I got scouted by a modeling agent and um, started modeling. And that's how kind of like I started traveling and coming to the US. Did you sign with an agency though after you went to Harlem? Yeah. And then that allowed you to travel to like different yeah. places, fashion type? Exactly. So whenever there was like a fashion week happening, they would have me come in for like two, three months. And I would stay at a, at a model apartment with eight dudes oh, sharing a bathroom. Is that like bunk in beds? In Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, so my girlfriend when I was 18 years old uh, was a model and she got offered to stay in a model apartment. And I was like, dude, there's no way that I would ever want a girl like that to stay in a model apartment. I feel like... It's just guys like you hanging around her all the time. Well, I mean, most of them. <laughs> I'm very innocent. Very innocent. Yeah, no, but I know you are. But. A lot of um, most most of them I've seen. I've stayed some other partners with women, but mainly was like with you know only dudes. Okay, you know, so like a nice. But I feel like if there's a, a model, like a model agent who's maybe more like wanted to put as many models in an apartment as possible. Yeah, it'd be like guys and girls. Yeah, maybe for sure. But it's kind of fucked up the whole thing because they charged me so much. At one point during fashion week, no joke, there was seven dudes sharing one bathroom. One bathroom, seven dudes. And they had like not only bunk beds, but also a mattress they put on the floor. So you literally had no space. I was staying in a with on a bunk bed with one other dude in like a Harry Potter closet. No joke, like it was in a stair, like it felt like Harry Potter, you know. To, to give you an idea, I could not do a push up anywhere in the room. Well, you're kind of a tall guy though. But I mean, but still, you should be able to do even a little person could do a push. Yeah, yeah, like, you yeah. know, I mean, maybe they could do it on the fucking bed or something. So but you said it, it was super expensive, but would they just take the money out of your paycheck? Yeah. They would yeah. But they would charge you so much. man. I mean, they would charge like fifteen hundred dollars for per per person per month. And they deduct. Yeah. Per month. They deduct it Damn. from your pay. Yeah. But it's fucked up because like, dude, if you do the math. If you have eight people spending fifteen hundred dollars, that's in insane. The city. You know, that's like twelve. That's like twelve thousand dollars for a place like that's a probably walk like up and exactly it that nice. It's a house, sure. house in Brooklyn and stuff. You know, so that whole place was probably like, I don't know. I mean, twelve. They they got twelve k if it was full, but I mean, it, it couldn't be more than like four grand at the time. You know, so yeah. That's the modeling industry in a nutshell, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But traveling all over the place, how did you end up in Los Angeles? And then um, you met your fiance there, correct? I did, I did. So LA, I've been coming for some modeling jobs one-off, but never lived there because it's not my market. I didn't work there very well. Um, but I went to uh, Burning Man. So I was in New York. Dude, I've recently heard about Burning Man. Explain it to the people who don't know. You know Burning Man? About. Oh my God. It's and I didn't know literally at the end, they burn a man, like a stick They burn man. a man yeah. and they burn a temple too. They burn a bunch of shit. It's a, it's, I didn't know that. They burn a lot, yeah. That's what's called Burning Man. Burners. So you know? what happened? It was like, how old were you the first time you went? First time I went was maybe 20, oh, it was like 23, maybe like six, four, five years ago. Yeah. That was, so basically I had a friend in New York and he was very into Burning Man. He was like, Mara, it's going to change your life. You got to come to Burning Man. So I went to the burn at the time in my life. And then all my friends there that were in the, in the camp with us, 
they all lived in Venice, California, on the beach, like Santa Monica, Venice, on the west side of Los Angeles. And then I, I don't know, I just moved there. I was like, you know, New York was fun. I learned a lot, but it's time for some, you know, drum circles on the beach, some mushroom ceremonies with a silent disco and an ice plunge at a, you know, so that was like the vibe. It was very spiritual, like a crowd of friends that were very, you know, into Burning Man, spiritual, a lot of psychedelic, stuff like that. Was there anybody in comedy who you met at Burning Man or no? Nobody. I was separate. Nobody. No. I mean, actually, I met one person who did improv, but comedy came way later. Yeah. This is how I first came to LA. And then, well, yeah. yeah. What was the journey like being Dude, modeling in LA to doing comedy and then well, being on that show? The thing is, I've always loved just being silly. Like, I don't know. And you're similar, I can tell. Like, I, modeling was fun, but it's just was so serious. I'm sure it was paying the bills though. It was, and I'm very grateful for modeling because it got me to um, come to the US. I got my visa for the US. Experienced a lot of things. I met a lot of cool friends through modeling, but all you can do as a model is like be ridiculously good looking. You know, it's like Zoolander, you can only yeah. be, you know. Really, really ridiculously good looking. Good looking, looking yeah, right? Yeah. And that's all you can do. And I felt like there was a lack of self-expression because you're truly a mannequin. You're on the bottom of the uh, hierarchy as a model. Well, what's so, like, well, what's the top of the hierarchy? Uh, top, I guess, designers, you know, they own the brand. So they call the shots, like the owner of the brand, like the owner of like Calvin Klein, Calvin Klein, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't think he owns it anymore, but, <laughs> um, or like Ralph Lauren, you know, those, those brands. Dolce I was Gabbana. talking about that the other day on, on an episode about how it's just crazy that we will legitimately wear underwear that says those dudes names on it. Like mm -hmm. Tommy John, Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger. Actually, that's kind of weird, crazy, right? Yeah. That's kind of culty. <laughs> but like everyone now wears Calvin Klein. I don't know about you, but like a lot of people just love I wearing Calvin Kleins. I might currently. I'm not wearing any underwear, but. I am. God wearing Calvin Klein? Zoom yep. in right yeah. there. Yeah. And it's right shit. above the nice crease in your pants. Exactly. Too. Nice. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. Zoom in can, on the bulge too, I don't know, too, know if you we know? can put that in. You, wanna... <laughs> you and I actually were talking last night at the stand. We ran into each other yeah, randomly yeah, yeah. about yeah strikes on YouTube. So I don't know if I'm going to zoom in on your job. I don't think. I mean, this is. it's not like I'm, you know. Well, let's, we don't have to zoom in on it. They just because I have a massive about. bulge, but that's not my fault, you know? It's so they discriminate against people with big dongs. It's fucked up. <laughs> it's fucked so up. Anyway, what were, yeah. what were you saying? <laughs> I don't even know anymore, dude. <laughs> I don't even know. You're talking about underwear, hot, top of that hierarchy. Oh, yeah. So you're on the bottom, and I was like, I always loved doing um, creative stuff. So I started a YouTube channel early on when I was modeling. So my YouTube channel was basically me. Um, I made a video about like... Um, the video is titled, um, What's it, What Really Happens at, at New York Fashion Week or something like that. Great title. I Where I, like. Yeah, actually it was pretty intuitively, I, I figured out a good title. So I walked around and I just showed the behind the scenes. I went to castings and I fucked with people and it was very silly. It was like a Zoolander type. So it was like a vlog? Though? It was a vlog. Yeah, it was a vlog. And I, I made it more for like, as a memory for myself and because I loved expressing myself. I didn't think it was going to be a business or anything like that. But I checked back two weeks later, all of a sudden the video had like 80,000 views with no subscribers. And then I had so many people commenting, oh my God, it's so fun. Um, tell us more. How do you become a model? Um, blah, blah, blah. A lot of things around the modeling industry. So what year was that? Uh, 2016, 17, maybe okay. 2017. Yeah. So, and I got so many questions. Then I was like, you know what? Let me actually, I, I enjoy the process of making videos. So I've really found a niche with um, aspiring models. Um, and then I just fucking made videos about like how, how you become a model. How do you get abs? And then really these videos did so fucking well. And I built like a community. Then I had like an online business about like called Male Model Mentor, where I would tell people how to like become models and stuff like that. So you'd have private video chat sessions with them? Uh, not private video chat sessions, more like I, I created a course 
you know, like a course with like oh actual like syllabus yeah. and lessons, okay. how to like, how to pose, how to work out, how to, what to eat, how to take your first digitals, how to submit to an agency. So I built a very niche online business. That's how I made money as I was modeling. Would you have subscribers that would pay you monthly? How did that work? Uh, it was not subscription based. It was a one-off course. It could have made it better with the subscription model, but it was very like, I, I started online business with a very just fucking, I just winged it, like very gorilla style. I just made my first online course I sold making a PayPal with a button, and if you click the button, you get redirected to a, a PDF link. Smart. So very simple, not not optimized at all, but it worked. And um, yeah, and then I just kept making YouTube videos, and then it evolved, I made more like a little fitness, but always was it was always comedic. There's so many people, I was blown away at an email list of like 50,000 people who wanted to become models. Like they signed up, I had a freebie, like basically I said, hey, I give you 10 tips on how to post if you sign up for my email list. And I had 50,000 people who signed up for that Do shit. Do you use that for comedy at all? No, because it's very different. I, I realized that people who also, they're all over the world. I run, oddly enough, have a guess, what's the number one country of people who subscribe to that course? Aspiring male models. Where are the most amount of people who want to become male models? Dubai? Close enough. India. India was number one by far. Interesting. India and then um, India and then U.S. and then I guess Germany. You think there's a, a specific reason why? I don't know. Did, I feel like it's just first of all, there's a, a lot of people. Like <laughs> you know, people uh, Bollywood. Exactly, and I think in, in, the, yeah. there's a lot of Bollywood is a huge yeah, thing. A they aspire, <laughs> and a lot of I guess Indian young men. They um, I don't feel like they aspire to be models, or they have also Western beauty ideals are kind of, you know, they kind of put it on the pedestal there. So I feel a lot of guys aspire to be that. Yeah. Same with the Philippines. Interesting. Yeah. Damn, bro. So getting into comedy. Um, getting comedy was like, um, I always loved the comedy aspect of making videos. Then I took improv classes. It's very boring, actually. I just took improv. But getting into, like, when, once you started making the YouTube videos, did yeah. you start to see other people in the realm and you were like, all right, that guy's really funny and that guy also does stand-up. He's doing mm -hmm. successful on you. So what did it look like? No, man. You take class I, at UCB? Yeah. No, I did too. You sec see Second City, not oh, UCB. Ox. I got the Herald uh, thing. Oh, my, shit. Yeah, no. Mine is, um, I went to, um, okay, I see, no. Um, I went to Second City. In LA? In LA, yeah. In Hollywood. And I loved it, man. I loved, I loved uh, improv so much. It was comedy. It was like so in line with my values. And then I realized when I was on stage, connecting with millions, I have videos that have like millions of views, but like connecting with a room full of like 10 audience members was such a different feeling, you know, than like talking to millions of people online because you don't feel it. You don't feel the energy and the connection with people. So um, then I took a, I once went to a, a stand up uh, uh, or like a comedy class and I went on the wrong day, very un-German <laughs> of me. And they were like, no, we don't have that. That doesn't start today. But today we have a class that's starting that's intro to stand up comedy. And I always loved, my whole thing in life was always like, whenever something scares me, you gotta do it. I wanna fucking try it. And that's my whole thing about YouTube channel is like, get out of your comfort zone, follow your impulse, stuff like that. Do you like think that. that came from, we'll get back to this, but do you think it came from initially like backpacking all over the world yeah, and it did. leaving home it at did. an early it age? It did, because I realized whenever I did that, when I went to Peru at 15, I didn't speak Spanish, went to a foreign country for a year. By yourself? By myself. But that that's how I learned the most. Whenever it was uncomfortable, when you're thrown into a freaking, you know, sea full of Latinos and you don't speak the language. I'm like, holy shit. But I learned so much from that. That's when I grew and that's the moments I was always the most grateful for. So same in New Zealand. I did backpacking. I did kiwi picking. I um, was a shirtless waiter for bachelorette parties. I did anything you can, you know, <laughs> and I learned from it. So um, yeah, that's why I took the stand-up class. And the moment I took my first class, I remember 
um, we just like took the class and we talked a little bit. We just had to tell a story like three minutes at the end of the class. And I just told a story about like how I got circumcised at 19 years old for a girl. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty strong story. I feel like <laughs> I know, I know we can get into it after. But when I told that story on stage, I was like, this is it. Like immediately it was like this connection to this art form. Cause it's very like you're in control. It's immediate. You can connect with people. It was amazing. So, yeah. And you're not really relying on anybody else. Exactly. You know That's what I, mean? what I always hate about modeling because you're always yeah. trying to please somebody. You yeah, always you're have waiting to, for the next job to come yeah, in. Yeah, you have to like, you know, always like, you know, metaphorically or literally suck somebody's dick to get a job. Yeah. You know, so I was like, this is... Do you so ever see stuff like that though? Like some of your coworkers that did stuff that you were like, what? That exists? Did I see stuff like that? Not see it, but like hear of things that... No, no, not here. I was just, I was in it. <laughs> I was in it. No, people have offered me like jobs and magazine covers if... If if they let me, I don't know how explicit I can get, but if they basically, yeah, you, you if can. they please, if they, you know, there's one guy was literally like, I'm going to give you a magazine cover, but you know, what are you, you going to do for me? And he's like, let, let's do this. If, if you let me suck you, if you let me, if you let me blow you, I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to shoot you for this magazine. I can only, do you think it happens to girls a lot more or no, maybe not? It happens to men more because the industry modeling specific worldwide on a grand scale, hundred percent women. It happens way more. Any sort of like sexual assault, sexual harassment, all that stuff happens to women way more. But in the fashion industry, I would, I'm very certain that it happens to men more because A, the industry is run by gay men. It's run by gay photographers, gay agents, gay, you know. Um, and most of them, I want to make, make, make very clear, are good friends of mine. They're amazing. They're very professional. But some of them, because they have this power dynamic and there's young models and it's the, it's the perfect recipe for disaster because you have people on top who are very powerful and you have very sexy looking models that are very desperate, which is the, you know, <laughs> it just lends itself to a lot of um, stuff like that. And it's very common. Any game, any, any, any male model I've talked to, um, it, I mean, there's only a few of them who, who don't have experiences like that. Yeah. It's more common than not. Yeah. <laughs> and would you see a lot of people that would actually do it to get ahead? Yeah, for like, sure. Like a, like, I don't know specifically, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would just accept a lot of sexual harassment. I wouldn't say anything because I was like, oh, I don't want to, you know, cause, you know, also I hate confrontation. I'm very not confrontational. So when somebody would like just touch me at a photo shoot, you know, I'd be like, um, hey, this is, you know, and, and just kind of laugh it off instead of like confronting them. Because there's always this fucking dy power dynamic. It's very unhealthy. And it's fucked up that these, these people know that shit. The photographers know that stuff, but they use it because they just... You know, they know that also as there's a, there's an aspect too, which is that as a man, you're less likely to talk about those things yeah. because first of all, if you're a straight man and a gay man touches you, you, yeah, you, should, you should be known to beat him up or something. Exactly. And if you don't say anything, you're like, oh, does it make you gay? You question your sexuality. There's a lot of misconceptions around all this stuff about around men not being able to be the victim, you know, because men are stereotypically, you know, the predator, not the victim. So that prevents a lot of men from speaking up about it. Yeah. Has anybody been brought to the light of someone like a Harvey Weinstein? Like that? 100%. Yeah. It happens all the time. There's like, it happens more and more. And I like that the conversation is shifting more towards men too. Cause it's, um, again, Harvey Weinstein was great. Me too. Raised a lot of awareness, but mainly towards the female side of the story. Yeah. Right. But there are a lot of, um, photog big photographers like Bruce Weber is a big photographer shot all the Abercrombie campaigns, Mario Testino, to be honest, most big photographers have been now in, in the male, um, modeling world 
have had some sort of like sexual uh, harassment allegation. Like it's it's the biggest who's, ones. Who's Mario. someone that's like a? Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, what, say Mario Ticino. Mario Ticino, yeah. What? That's a guy who. That, has oh, been Mario Ticino is like he was like the biggest fashion photographer. Yeah, like for that decade. I have friends who also went to him, like did castings and stuff like that, and they would have to, uh, they had to go to to his hotel room. So the the casting would happen at his hotel room. He'd be like in a robe. I don't know exactly, but yeah. Dude. Bruce Weber was very known for like um, shooting with the models, and he shot all the Abercrombie campaigns. That was the shoot. guy who wore the um, bandana. I think so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was him. Yeah, white beard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. White beard. Uh, amazing photographer, but he would just do like weird breathing exercises with the models. Like he really connected with them before. You know, it's just a little odd. And I get it. You're an artist and they're always a little weird, but you know, some of the stuff, it just there's was a little a too far. A hundred percent. There's a line of professionalism. And then once one dude came out, it happens the same thing every time. Once one dude comes out, like 20 others come out and, and uh, you know. Who's um, a photographer or an artist who you've worked with who you deem extremely professional and has done very well. And other people would say that they're extremely professional as well. Like a photographer, designer, someone. Um, I mean, anything like I've worked a lot with Banana Republic and Bloomingdale's here. But that's not a specific person. I know. But like, that's what I mean. Once it, get, once it becomes more, that was also a bit more commercial. The thing is, all that shit mainly happens in like high fashion realm. You know, when it's like, um, when it's like, this is the one person that you yeah, need to impress. Yeah, exactly. Or like when it's like the fashion, you know, because these other companies are run by like, it's a big corporation. Yeah. Like Bloomingdale's, Macy's, they're run by, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a team of people. It's like a board. Very professional, people. amazing. Bloomingdale was my favorite brand I work with, or they book me the most. That's why I like the most, you know. Um, work with them a lot for like um, their catalog stuff. And they booked me here in like uh, in Soho, they had a studio, amazing catering, very professional, very nice all the time. But then there's like the, more of the high fashion realm, right? There's like high fashion, which is like Prada, Versace, Armani, Dolce & Gabbana, those like high fashion brands. And there's more commercial stuff like Nike, Puma, you know, Adidas, Macy's, Target, stuff like that. So the high fashion world, that's where more of that stuff happens. And um, I just did a lot of underwear modeling too. And that's where like, you know, a lot of that, Damn, that would happen you in too. a vulnerable situation. Yeah, dude, you know. They but it was my fault. in on it your was fucking wiener for sure. All the time, dude. man. So many zoom ins, you know. <laughs> But also it's my fault because I was just, you know, you were I, just asked, I was asking there. for it. Yeah. I was asking for it. I just, well, you weren't though, bro. You, I was, were, <laughs> you were trying to pursue your professional career. I know, I you know. Could. You weren't asking for it. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. let's get back to you getting circumcised at 19. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's wild. And um, still circumcised to this day. <laughs> it hasn't grown back. How about you, bro? Yeah. Yeah. I'm Jewish. You're Jewish? Nice. So yeah, I got it snipped like day eight. German. Can we can, can we yeah, shake, we gotta can prove we, it. Can we shake hands? We gotta on prove camera? it now. Can we shake hands? Yes. Do we have a Jewish and a German? <laughs> this right? is the thumbnail. This is <laughs> it's called reparations. Yeah, <laughs> We're like, literally. Um, <laughs> no, we. Um, my girlfriend's Jewish too, by the way. So okay, yeah, love it. So your kids will be Jewish. I guess you, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, because her mom was not Jewish. Her dad was Jewish. So I ah. guess according to you know. Yeah, yeah, Jewish law. You yeah. have a, you have a little bit of Jew in you though. Yeah, which is good. Yeah. Um, so circumcised, I got circumcised because I was dating a Turkish girl at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, in Turkish culture, if you want to marry, if I wanted to marry her, I had to get, I have to get circumcised. How old was she at the time? Um, we were both like 17, 18. And you wanted to get married? At no, that time? the thing is, I mean, the truth is I, I did it not because they needed me to. It was just like, because of her, I started thinking about it. And then to be completely honest with you, I also used to struggle with, you know, sometimes I would you know, come finish, finish fast, you know, sometimes it was quick. Right. So I was like, I read about it and I, I read online. I was like, Oh, it also, 
it's cleaner, A. B, it makes you last longer, makes you less sensitive. C, it's more aerodynamic, you know? So I was like, why not? And also it's more accepted Floating by a Muslim culture. Okay. Exactly, right? If you put that thing in the wind canal, it's definitely gonna, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> um, I did it. I just called the doctor in Germany, urologist, said, hey bro, guten Tag, hallo. And I just scheduled an appointment for a circumcision when I was 19 years old. And it was... And they put you out, gave you morphine. No, and they didn't put... <laughs> that's so American of you. That's so what, fucking bro, American. What do you mean? I, you get your wiener cut at 19 in with Germany, no things we are to sleep? Not, it's so... You know, that's one thing I want to address. Americans are such little weasels. It's unbelievable. <laughs> you guys are so... It's unbelievable the amount of pills you take here for nothing. Dude, you take pills for like... When you have a little headache, you take like four pills. Crazy. Dude, in Germany, I don't want to... I don't want to sound like Germans were such alphas, but culturally... I think we just don't take as much medication. I'm gonna definitely, tell you, my definitely. whole life, I've taken Advil or like aspirin, which is like the equivalent in Germany. I took it maybe three times my whole life Did before coming to the US. I mean, I guess. See, there you go. My friend was struggling with depression, Alon, my best friend, love him so much. And I was helping him through that. And we looked into options of like therapy, you know, like EMDR, in in person inpatient therapy because it's pretty serious like in you know in terms of suicide and all that stuff he got prescribed all the medications lithium gabapentum stuff that makes him addicted really strong shit that's just putting a band-aid on you all covered by insurance any sort of therapy that actually helped him they didn't pay for nothing thirty thousand dollars for like a therapy where he outpatient therapy actual trauma therapy that helps you get better on the in the long run instead of just numbing the pain zero percent cover bunch and he's got he's got very expensive insurance and that's i was like that's fucked up like the shit that actually helps people get better it's not covered but the shit that makes you addicted <laughs> like that that's covered it was just a little weird um that approach um but back to the circumcision i didn't get what i did is like i get i got two injections next to um like what's it called like your, your groin basically they put it in there uh. to numb the area locally so i was actually fully awake i could see what was happening too you didn't look. I, I looked once or twice, but it's very, I mean, it's, I was just, dude, like there's levels of, you know, when you like come out of like a, a ice bath, like it's really shriveled, but that was, it was. Because it, it was scared. It was so scared. It was like, yeah. It was like back inside your yeah. body. It was like, like no. <laughs> yeah. How much did they know to cut off though? I mean, they're professionals, so I feel like. Yeah, but when you're, when like I was eight, eight days old, I was probably like oh, this yeah, much, yeah. you know, <laughs> no. compared to you. I don't That's know how much true. they were cutting That's off. That's true. Yeah, I know. He, he seems to be very, you know. It wasn't a rabbi. Experience. <laughs> no, it was not a rabbi. No, no, no. It was a German doctor. You know what the funny part is? Okay, there's two things that are really fucked up. First of all, um, there was this girl who was doing an internship at the urologist's office, and she was going to my same school, and she was assisting. There was two female assistants. Oh, no, was she hot? That'd be a jam. Because then you kind of, the I mean, out, whatever, it wasn't a fact. Oh, it's not wiener. in that state. I mean, you have to be really hot too. <laughs> yeah. Like in that state, like you have to be like you. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> no, that was not my concern. It was more, it's more the opposite. I was like more intimidated. I was like, yeah, that's a very intimate thing. And somebody that I know, it's already weird. It's already weird with another dude who's a medical professional. I'm sure he's like zero, but like I was, you know, it's like, it's a vulnerable state. I mean, Definitely. arguably the most vulnerable state you yeah, can possibly maybe be Maybe even in. more so the modeling and underwear. Like I that. think so. Yeah. Cause in underwear, at least you can fluff a little bit, you know, it depends, <laughs> but <laughs> can put a sock in. This is like fully raw. There's nothing, um, you know, left to the imagination. And I, I just, yeah, that was embarrassing. How long was the surgery? Um, I don't know. It was 20 minutes. 
yeah, something like that, 30 minutes. And then you went out and your wiener was fine like a couple weeks later? Yeah, so basically I put stitches on my penis. Yeah. And it's very, oh my God, that was fucking weird. Because first of all, you couldn't get an erection because the, it would hurt because the stitches are still there and they'd like dissolve or whatever. Uh, it was very painful. So at night I would always get erections and then wake up and I couldn't sleep basically. Because whenever you, when you sleep, you don't realize how many erections you get until you get circumcised. <laughs> then you realize you get erections randomly at night. Um, and then there was one moment and I have a stand up bit about it. Basically, I went to the movie theater with my mom as I'm having stitches on my dick. And I went to the movie theater. I went to pee in the bathroom and I was wearing jeans and I closed the zipper of my pants. You don't even need stitches for that to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the stitches stitch, like caught the zipper? The stitches got stuck in the zipper of the pants. Yeah. Did you have to go to the hospital? No. I uh, you good? asked my mom for help. And she helped? She did. It's a good mom. It's good. Jesus oh, Christ. Christ. Mom. <laughs> um. No, my mom walks in and she really, really like, this is fully true. Sorry. She was, she, I was like, hey, my mother, I need some help. I need some help. I need some help. And then she literally came into the bathroom with me and helped me. Cause I literally, you can't fucking like, I'm helpless in that point, you know? Cause whatever you do. And then she helped me kind of remove the stitches from, from the zipper. And uh, it was a very bonding moment between us. Were yeah. your parents okay with you doing that? They didn't really care? I've been so independent my whole life. Yeah. Like, exactly. I, you know, like I said, I went to Peru when I was 15, went to France when I was 13. I feel like my parents just trust me. When you went to school, did you go to school with just the people in your town or you went to another town for school, like a bigger uh, town? Later in high school, so uh, what's called primary school or whatever, I went to my town and then later on I went to a different one. Yeah. You still stay in contact with anybody from that small town or no? Yeah, yeah. Some friends, some close friends. That I'm so, I just went back for a wedding, uh, my best friend there. So yeah, some friends, I'm, some, some of these guys I'm still friends with. Okay, let's with, with the girl, I was dating the Turkish girl. Yeah. No, she also ended things after I got circumcised. She was like, this, is, this isn't what I meant when I said I wanted you to be circumcised. <laughs> exactly. She's like, you could have oh already decided god. this 19 oh years ago. Oh my god. No, but to be fair, I didn't fully do it only for her. It was more like, you know. And I mean, it did help. You know, I used to last only like, you know, 30 seconds. <laughs> now, fucking destroying for like. A few minutes. 52 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Double the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's talk about you getting involved with American Idol. How did that happen? Um, okay, so I have a, I have a good friend uh, and he actually, okay, when I first started comedy, I went to my first open mic. By the way, I moved to LA for like comedy instead on an improv. Not for modeling? No, I mean, when I got my apartment in LA, I never, okay, by the way, also when I was modeling and doing all this stuff, I didn't have an apartment anywhere. I would come to New York for like three months and like, I would come to New York twice a year, usually for summer fashion week and then in the fall um, for like three months each or two months each or something like that. And then I would go to, I lived in, in, in Singapore, Germany, Milan, um, spend a lot of time in Korea for modeling. And you'd be at modeling apartments when you were in those exactly. places? Exactly, I was stay, always staying at uh, Airbnbs uh, in Germany with my family. I had a place in Berlin, I was staying with a friend or modeling agent for a while. So um, I never had a home. So my first home, my first apartment lease I actually signed was right before the pandemic, like three and a half years ago. In LA? Yeah, in LA. So it was fucked up because I started comedy then all of a sudden, I was like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna move to Hollywood. You know, I'm gonna do, go to the sec uh, second city, which is the improv and comedy school. I'm gonna start comedy and really follow my creative energy and shit like that. And I did YouTube at the time as well. That was like how, how I paid my bills. And then a week later, everything shut down. Did you have a big moment in comedy though before everything shut down? 
You're like, I see myself really I, taking I just, off. I just did my first ever show. I did two open mics and then I did, I was put on one show and I just, I don't know what sound, but like, I really, I feel like I did very well. And I, I just felt like, okay, this is dope. And I love the, everything about it, the whole process. It complements nicely with all my, I always loved writing. I always loved, but the big projects, like movies are so hard to make and it takes so much time. And I wrote a script and I was like, fuck this. I'm, I'm German. I like the efficiency of stand up, you know? So I realized it very early on. It was like lo love at first sight type of thing. Like I knew it right away. I was like, oh, this is it. This complements, this is where my talents are and what comes easily to me and what I enjoy. It's like my ikikai, you know, in Japan, when you have what you're supposed to do, what you're good at and all these overlap. And I was like, this is it. Yeah. Connecting. Yeah. So um, anyways, then I did like my first show or whatever. And that's where I met a dude who was casting for American Idol. He's one of my best friends now. He was at the show? He was, uh, he was at one of the open mics I went to. And he was doing comedy? Or he, he was doing was... comedy. He's a, com he's a comedy. He's a musician. He was in a boy band. He's one of my best friends. He's super cool. I think you vibe with him. You guys are kind of similar. He's a very cool guy. What up, dog? Yeah, yeah. Josh Message Randall. your boy. Yeah, Josh Randall. He's amazing. Uh, and he also got married uh, last year. And I um, I don't know. I just love the guy. And we, we got along. And he was like, Mario, he's so funny. Uh, I love your personality. And he was casting for American Idol. He was like, yeah, just... Go on American Idol, so I went on tons of Zoom auditions. But casting, I thought it's yeah, you have to. It's like oh, a yeah. long process before you go in front of Katy Perry. Yeah, sure. There are like fucking like I did, I did so I don't even know how many I did. Like I did the initial Zoom call. Actually, did one and they first didn't like me because I just did like I, I don't know what I did. I did and something quickly, but was it on Zoom because the pandemic? Yeah, just yeah, yeah, pandemic. Started? That was yeah. exactly that was that time. It was like twenty twenty, and then um, I had all these Zoom calls. And then the first I had like an angle or something. I was singing something. I was kind of like having a German character or something. And they, they were fine with it. But then one guy on the uh, casting team followed me on YouTube. So they were like, uh, no, he's cool. Like, let's bring him back. And they brought me back. And then I was like, let's lean into like a little bit of a character. And I was a model at the time. And my, my goal was like as a model to step out of modeling and be taken seriously as like an artist. Right. So I had like a Zoolander character where I just went to the Zoom audition in a Speedo. You know, and I just like, was like, I don't want to be a model anymore. I want to be taken seriously for my talents <laughs> and not, I don't want to be objectified anymore <laughs> as I'm working at Speedo. Yeah. So it was like a fun little, it was almost like a comedy thing. And I, I just love silly shit like that. And, um, do they consider you a stand up at that particular time? Or not really. Like I think I was, just a, I, was just, I was just a YouTube personality. So I was a comedian in some way, but not a stand up comedian. But, um, essentially that's what I did. Like when I went to the, that's also, honestly, that's when the whole improv thing came in because all I did at that audition for American Idol. So basically what happened is I got through all the rounds, blah, blah, blah. Then like half a year later, I, we shoot it in, in Ojai, California. They rent out a beautiful space and it was Katy Perry, Lionel Richie and uh, Luke Bryan. And uh, I talked to Ryan Seacrest and everybody. By the way, Ryan, I didn't know who, who Ryan Seacrest was because I'm, and I didn't know who Luke Bryan was well, either. Why have you never watched American Idol No, I'm before. also German, so I don't know Ryan Seacrest. I, he's American television famous, right? So I didn't know who he was. I thought he was just a dude, but then everybody behaved weird around him. So I was like, he must be a big deal. <laughs> so I looked him up and I was like, okay, he's legit. Um, and Luke Bryan, I didn't know because I don't, we don't have country yeah. music in Germany. I vaguely know him. Of course, Katy yeah. Perry, we all know in Germany and yeah. Lionel Richie, same thing. So anyways, then I went up there and I, I just showed up in a Speedo and I wrote an original song that basically talks about how, how, how I came to the US and I wanna be a singer now, but I cannot sing. As you should know, this, I can, I'm not a good singer. I'm not musically gifted in any way. Uh, <laughs> so I just went up there and uh, sang and it was fun. And then basically Katy Perry and I were talking. And then the whole thing, I was in there for like probably 35, 40 minutes. How long are people usually in there? 
Uh, not as long like usually. Three minutes, just the song. No, like no, no. So usually they talk a little bit because they cut it together, right? They want as much as possible. But sometimes they, a lot of people who go there don't air. Like people will yeah. go up, but they don't even make television. Sure, right, right, it, right. They usually see if there's a story, there's an angle there, and then I just, I didn't know how, the, how I don't remember how it happened, but we just talked back and forth, and I just talked about like how I want to, I want to be a model now after I was singing, and then. Um, we just did a catwalk. But battle. you were you were in there for 35 minutes. How long of a day is that audition process? Oh, the, I was there for like four full days. Because they did interviews before with Ryan Seacrest. They have tons of different... They collect so much because they want to tell... I think American Idol does a great job at like telling stories of people. Who does? Who'd you say? American Idol. You know, because they have um, the backstory of like... Sometimes there's like something sad happening in their yeah, life. Dude. You know, like the parent died. Like, I remember something. I think one of the first viral guys who was wasn't really like the top top singer was William Hung. Remember him? She bangs, she bangs. I think so. Oh baby, but she moves. Wait, she moves. William Hung. Yeah, no, that yeah. sounds familiar. And I got well, a um, name too. I got a one of those cameos from him for my birthday. Oh yeah. Nice. No, so I was in there for a while and then you just um kind of mess around and then, you know, I did this catwalk battle with Katy Perry and uh it was fun. It was fun, dude. And uh yeah, I, I just love that shit cuz it's essentially what I did was just improv comedy at the end of the day because I just said yes to whatever was happening. And that was fun. That was one of the most fun things I've done. What yeah. do you think that process gave you, though? Honestly, in terms of, I mean, I thought it was going to be a big deal because it was like on Kimmel. If I had a good publicist at the time, I think I could have pushed for like going on Ellen before it was canceled or whatever. Because um, <laughs> it's a fun story, you know, like the Speedo guy. And people talked about it a lot online. But you know what's funny? I did another TV show in Germany called Germany's Next Top Model. I was like a model guest star or whatever. It was like Heidi Klum the host? Yeah, Heidi Klum was the host. Oh, okay, and I had like funny. a whole moment where I kissed this girl. It was a trans girl. It was a whole thing. But that gave me so much social media exposure because the audience of Germany's Next Top Model is very social media savvy. In a good way though? Yeah. Yeah, it was great. I have now a lot of, you know, 16-year-old girls who know me in Germany. Yeah, so I gained a lot of followers on Instagram from that. American Idol, I didn't gain a lot of... Um, when it aired... It was a cool moment, but there was not any significant social media growth that came from that at all. Like television is not, because the audience I think is more, it's older. It's like stereotypically, I would say like housewives in Wisconsin. You know what I mean? So they're not as likely to subscribe to a dude on, on Instagram. From versus, American Idol, you mean? From American Idol, yeah. yeah. Versus Jeremy's Next Top Model. Um, but it was just a fun thing of like, I think it gives you some credibility as a comic too. People saw that was on television and even for other television things, they're just like, okay, this dude, you can put him on television. He's going to be fun, you know, in front of like a big audience or like a, you know. Did you feel the moment though? Like after being on TV in, Ber in was it Berlin? Um, or Germany's Next Time Model, where was that? Oh, in Germany? Yeah. Germany's Next Time Model, I felt the moment, yeah. I felt it for sure. Because then I got like some other TV stuff that, that was happening and sponsorship opportunities. There was a lot of, I got invited to so much shit. So in Germany's also a smaller market. So I feel like it's, it was a bigger thing because America, so much stuff happens every day, right? Um, but what happened is I posted a clip of the American Idol audition. That's the power of social media. That's crazy. The clip of the audition on my page got like 55 million views on YouTube versus, and that is what, you know, gave me some sort of like exposure, I guess. Not the original airing on abc <laughs> you know right which says a lot about the current media landscape yeah, dude, I guess. it's such a different time like 15 years ago it probably would have gotten that 55 million and then now it's just a completely different wave yeah where, like your youtube or instagram gets yeah, that yeah, way. yeah do you yeah. see yourself 
releasing uh, like an hour stand-up special on YouTube or putting it on a yeah, yeah, yeah. network? So yeah, yeah. So I'm, I don't know. If I've just been, I'm relatively new to stand-up actually. Because if you think about it, I started stand-up like right before the pandemic. But then I didn't do it for like a year and a half, <laughs> you know? So I've only been like, taking it seriously for like two years now. And um, I love it. And I'm touring now, doing my own shows. Yeah, we see that. I want to, um, yes, but I want to work on it. I want to work on like an hour, but it's just a thing. You can always put it out and I have an hour, but it's not like I have an hour of combined material easily, but I've only ran my hour like two times. So I kind of want to, instead of putting it out now, I'd rather be patient and kind of. Are you, you going to be doing an hour more. as you're uh, doing these dates? You're going to be doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll do an hour in, in New York now and for New York Comedy Festival. And then hopefully some more. I just want to see where my audience is because it's very different from, I have a big audience on YouTube, but they're not necessarily stand up fans. You know, a lot of them follow me from modeling. They like my personality, which doesn't mean that they're interested in actually coming to see a stand-up comedy show. Versus if you gain your audience from stand-up comedy content, it's a whole different, they're much more likely to go to your show. You know, so that's what I'm trying to figure out now, how many people I can actually bring out, where those people are. I would guess they are in, but I might be wrong. Who knows? I guess they are in New York and LA, but who knows? Maybe in freaking Ohio, I'll kill it. You know, for some reason, Arizona, I have a lot, but we'll would see. you think about sending an email list to all those people finding out where they are? No, I have them. So when I have an, e I have an email list and again, I have a social, I have a background. So I'm trying to combine right now. My, I, I think anything you do in life, it always, there's value for it, whatever job you do. So I did online marketing when I did my modeling course. So now I'm trying to use those same skills. I just had a call today with my friend, um, to, I'm using those skills now to sell comedy shows. So I'm using a funnel and I, I collect emails where I'm like name and state or email address and state. So I can see already all my emails. I can, they have a tag, which state they're in. So I can see where they are. Are you modeling still? No, but you know, Hey, if you're, you're still working kind of, listen, I'll, I'll, I won't starve myself anymore as I used to. Cause when I was modeling, like they would always tell me to be thinner, to have a smaller chest. Cause you know, I have like, were you fasting more? Oh, dude, that got you banned on YouTube the other day. Or was that Instagram yeah, yeah. we were talking about? The peck bounce? Yeah, we can zoom in on that, though, bro. Yeah, that, that's get fine. In no, there. no, it got banned because I said, I'm totally beating you at, at, at peck bouncing. Oh, right. That was, the beating was like a threat of violence. Yeah. They're little sissy weasels. That's pretty good. Solid, solid no, you, you got the, because some people don't have the mind-muscle connection to even do it, no matter how big their pecs are. Yeah. And you got the titties and you got the <laughs> connection. <laughs> uh, what was I just fucking saying? Oh no, so I'm still modeling. If some yes. if people book me for jobs, I'll do it. But it's not like a goal because it doesn't lead anywhere. You know, what was your highest point in modeling? I mean, I've, did, I've done some, some Milan Fashion Week stuff. stuff. Uh -huh. I've done some campaigns, but nothing like insane, you know? Nothing where it was like, you know, I did a campaign on Times Square and it, I would I would have never gotten there, right? So it's like, what do you mean you would have never gotten there? Like the type, I'm not the type who would have like gotten there. Because there's specific types of models. You know, I was more like at some point, when I was younger, I was more high fashion. I have a gap, you know? So they put you in like high fashion runway, stuff like that. But then you, you have a specific time frame too. And it's a lot of luck. You have to hit the right time. For example, one season, a lot of, um, you know, Koreans were very in. And they booked all the campaigns. And then a specific look of like um, red hair guys, you know, ginger guys with freckles. And I don't know, I just never had that look of like something very unique that you can get there. Would you recommend people get into modeling? Absolutely not. 1000% no. Because also AI is going to fucking take so much of that. Do it for like they the just experience. Gonna be fake people, you mean? Have you seen the AI stuff? 
you can literally mid journey right now. Hey, um, make a model that's this measurement, this ethnicity, this blah, 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 this, that, and that, this height with like, you know, I have to work out, you know, I have six, six abs. You can yeah, say they never that has have to work out. 25 abs. <laughs> <laughs> wearing Calvin Klein underwear with a massive bulge with a tiger jumping in the background as they're um, entering the subway, whatever. And you can just type that in and it's going to create that image for you. So, and it's only getting better. So I feel like at some point, I don't see the upside in casting models paying so much for agencies. And if anything, the prices would go down for models because the, there's not enough. And they can't work as much as the AI. Exactly. So I feel like... Um, I think modeling is just going to shift. It's shifting more and more also towards personality. So if you are a personality, if you're an influencer, if you have some sort of following or you're a recognizable figure, then it makes sense to have you because of your likeness. But just beauty nowadays, it can it can be enhanced so easily, right? It can be changed so much. I think just being beautiful isn't enough anymore. And it's hard to have, I'm thinking like 10 years from now, now it's still possible sort of, but it's also declining. 10 years from now, it's going to get even worse. Because looking back, my friend, one of my best friends, Jeff, shout out Jeff Kasser. He's on my YouTube channel all the time. He's my co-host on my podcast. He, um, he's older. I make a joke. I always say he's 59. Um, people, nobody knows his real age, <laughs> but he just turned 59. Happy birthday, Jeff. And he, uh, he's been modeling since like the Vietnam War, you know? So he had those like back in the 80s and shit. Yeah, like the gray photos. Exactly. No, but back in the day, if you, if you did e-com, like even in the early 2000s, the rates were like four times higher. You know, even though inf like inflation, all that stuff, even then it was like significantly higher so just what, for e-commerce jobs. So what's the significance of that? Like people are not getting paid as much money. Yeah, exactly. At all. And there's, people have there's, to do things they don't want to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, the golden era of models is over now. Uh, yeah. And I might be wrong, but that's what I think it is. So I don't recommend anybody getting to modeling unless you just like the process and you like creativity. It gave me a lot in terms of traveling, but the um, industry is kind of fucked anyway. So. When you're talking about starving yourself, does that really happen for the most part for all models? Like, dude, there was a period of time. I'll pop up the um, picture right here. There's a period of time where I was running like eight miles a day, fasting until 7 p.m., working out an hour a day and I just like I remember there were so many times where I just felt starving and there wasn't mm -hmm. like a full reason why I was trying to get this shredded it was just like that's kind of what I wanted to do it was during the pandemic yeah. I didn't have much to do okay um yeah. and I, I just remember always feeling like shit but there was a lot of pressure with or there still is a lot of pressure for models to get in that thin ripped shape depends who depends what kind of model you are too yeah you know so for example I was um when I was doing more high fashion stuff the sample clothes that you have to put on the jackets, they're very tiny for fashion week. So they always told me I can't be too athletic. They told me I have to have a very small chest. They always told me I have to have like a um, 38 inch chest. So that was that the just, measurement that, that I had to- working out less? Yeah. And not eating Just much. eating less, basically. Yeah, just eating less. And not looking too buff, not looking like, looking very like, you know, like um, the heroin cheek, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. That was for high, for high fashion, that was the move. So you always have to be a little- Skinnier. We haven't seen guys and like plus size guys models yet. You think that's going to come? There are some, but it's not as, yeah. There, there's some dad bod models. There's like this dude who did Calvin Klein. He was like, he has like more of a dad bod. Um, I don't know. Again, the conversation, same with the sexual assault stuff. The conversation is around women a lot right now. Also with body image issues. So I think it's... Um, Maybe it's gonna move. You think it's time over. to start talking about males in? I don't know. So I think like I don't know the whole body positivity thing. I also have like a 
I see this is double edged sword, right? Because I feel like, I mean, Lizzo also. I mean, Lizzo's not as popular as, <laughs> as she used to be, obviously. But um, for men, sure, it was it was messed up to have to having to starve myself. But a regular underwear model, I think that's that's a healthy thing to strive towards. Yes, the heroin chic thing, not so much. But like having a six pack being ripped, I think that's a. I don't see it as like, oh, that's unhealthy to like um, perpetuate an unattainable beauty image. I think that's something healthy to strive towards because having abs is, means that you're, there's levels to it, right? But like, it, it means you're, you know, it's- Well, you can make the same argument for women though. Sure. Yeah. You know? I don't know. It's just like for women. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But women do need to bear a child. They need to have a little bit extra fat on their hips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Men, we're just supposed to get out there, collect the, exactly. the berries and meat yeah. and bring it back. Exactly. Men are naturally more- you know, I don't want to sexist or anything. Yeah, yeah no, it's man, not, no, we know. Men just have higher T levels, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just also, I, I guess the societal pressure that men have suffered from, it's not as women have suffered more from that, from being objectified, being only valued for their looks. Yeah. Therefore, I, I understand so. why the conversation is more, more so around women. We were talking last night about LA versus New York, you were saying, ah, oh, I got to move to New York. Was that just you talking or what do you think? <laughs> well, I, I always battle with that and I'm really, cause I just got engaged too. And I have a beautiful home in LA and it's a three bedroom apartment. It's quite big, 1500 square feet. I love it next to a park. I love that side of LA and I love the weather in LA and it's beautiful. Do you have a dog? Yes, okay. we have a dog. So we just need the space, right? But then whenever I come to New York, I just feel so efficient because in terms of comedy, there's just so much more happening. Like today, for example, I did so many things. I'm gonna, you know, met you, it's fun, do a little podcast. After I'm gonna meet a friend for coffee, I have to do some errands, do a show. Like it's, every day is just so rich of experiences, whereas LA doesn't feel like that. And my personality is much more in line with the New York energy because I very rarely get stressed or overwhelmed by doing too much. If anything, I get anxious because I'm not doing enough. So um, I think New York, the flow is just better, but I'm trying to figure out because there's a bias where I think when you're visiting a place, you always have a better time in a way because you are choosing to do more. Right. Or you're going there for a specific reason. Exactly. Like when I go to New York for a week, I have one week, I'm paying a lot on the place I'm staying at. So I'm making sure that every day is filled with experiences. Exactly. Whereas in LA, I don't have the urgency. I live there. Right. I have my girlfriend. We can, you know, hang out, you know, we can, we <laughs> can, you can hang out. Yeah. <laughs> we can hang out. We can hang out. <laughs> Can't do that here. So no, what I think I want to do to test it out, because I lived here before. Um, never longer than like four months at a time though. But I think next year in spring, I'm just going to get a place. It's also freaking expensive here. That's one more, one more thing that's kind of preventing me from moving here. Um, but I'm going to get a place for like two months in the spring and see what it feels like to just be here for eight weeks total, uninterrupted in New York. Let's go. And then see what happens. And I don't think I'm moving next year, maybe the year after. Also, again, I'm with my girlfriend now. And um, Where's she from? Chicago. She's American. She's, you know, half Jewish, half Norwegian. Um, so yeah, she is, um, yeah, it's just, if we moved here, we wanna have something remotely. I mean, I can tell you, we, we pay around like 5,200 for like um, our apartment and it's great, it's amazing. And it's not even that, I mean, for LA, that's that's good, right? That's not a bad price. For the same apartment, I looked at some pl places here, like a three bedroom here, we'd be looking at 10 grand for a similar where, apartment. In Manhattan or Brooklyn? Mm, or Manhattan, I mean, I looked in Manhattan and Williamsburg, 
But um, I, I know those are like the more expensive areas, but I looked in the financial district even, something comparable in terms of like how modern the place is and the space and everything, yeah, it would be twice. Even, even the newer buildings that they're building now, it's just like so crazy how expensive some of them are. If I come to New York, I don't want to go back to the model apartment life. It's hard to go back from like a, a big <laughs> three bedroom to like living in a shoebox again, you know? What was your best part? What was the most fun you had modeling? Was that like when you were younger maybe? Yeah, I'm doing so 20s. much fun modeling. I mean, I think New York was just staying three months in New York during the summer and just living that lifestyle. That's where I started acting too. And I just had the craziest life, man. I would wake up at like 6 a.m., uh, I'd work out. Then I would go to my castings, be in the city all day, only eat carrots. Like I was broke, but I was so happy, dude. I was just running around, started YouTube back then. I was creative all day. And then I would, um, I did acting. So I went to this very intense method acting class in Midtown called like Su Stella Adler. Yeah, some, it's called Susan Batson. Okay. So she does like, do you know Susan Batson? No, 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 maybe I've heard the name. It's very similar to Stella Adler where it's like method, like raw visceral shit where you like go back to your child and you act it out and you're crying on stage and you're like hitting yourself and you fucking, it's visceral, you cry. So that's what I did. And then after that, I would meet some friends because I thought I have to go out to like meet people and shit. So after that class, that was like four hour class, mind you, it was intense, emotionally draining. I would then go to Midtown to have my friends for a bit, take the bicycle back to Williamsburg where I was staying, ride the bicycle over the Manhattan Bridge and I would just see the freaking, you know, the Williamsburg Bridge Damn, and, I see, and I see the skyline. It's easy for you like to be pretty skinny though at that oh, point yeah, I was with all that so, activity, I was emotionally. so 100%. But you know what I realized? It was such a beautiful time, three months, and I learned so much. Whenever I went back, usually from New York, I then went to Germany, to my hometown, kind of to decompress. Swear to God, every time I went back, I slept for 12 hours a day for like a week because you don't realize how much you do. That's what I wonder about the sustainability of New York sometimes. Because you can I, do so no, much. Yeah, but I think you'd fit, I think you fit in pretty well, bro. Yeah, I think so too, bro. Yeah. Did you ever go to nightclubs in New York when you were here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was a promoter for like a number, you were. A number of years. Oh yeah, my bro. god, I, I know guys all about like that. you all the time. Yeah, 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 bro. But like night, some nights I'd make like close to fifteen hundred dollars just selling a bottle and then bringing yeah, in yeah. like twenty models, like you guys. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny being a promoter. For a while. Yeah, I I. I, I've done that and I've done the lifestyle. I just sometimes felt like those parties were not as, like I've been to Berlin, I live there and stuff and you know, like the techno parties in Berlin, you just have so much. I don't know, it's just, it's just you people feel the energy. go there for the music yeah. and they just have a good time and it's, it's dark, it's edgy, whatever. But I feel like sometimes in New York, it was just very, you know, people go there to be seen and it was kind of like the model okay. tables and the stuff. It was kind of not as free as some of the experiences like I, I had. Just, in I was just like on my phone pretending I was texting people like in the corner. You yeah, know, yeah, being yeah. a classic promoter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Catch a drift. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man, it's been a, I moved to New York when I was six weeks old. Went to college in six Connecticut. Weeks. Six weeks old. Yeah. I mentioned that just because like I was born in Jersey, so I gave myself a little spice, you know, Jersey yeah, spice. Yeah. Moved here, and then I've been here ever since, man. I don't, I don't see myself leaving. You ever see yourself going back to Germany, mm. living there full time, or you? United I don't think States so. For life. God's country for life. <laughs> I Absolutely, think, I think so. All right, all right, all right. I think if <laughs> I, if I, I mean, having kids, just anything we just talked about, free education, free healthcare. There's an argument to be made about raising a kid in Europe versus America. Um, Price-wise too, but I feel like with stand-up entertainment industry, there's just it's in Europe is nowhere near where the United States is. I mean, in terms of entertainment industry, 
the U.S. is the entertainment capital of the world. Have you done some stuff over there in Germany, though, stand-up-wise? And, like, comedy in German? Is that something that... <laughs> yeah, no, like I think I would, I would do still in English in Germany. Because, also, that's a, it's a much more... Because you can do Amsterdam. I know, I have a friend, his name is Shahak. Um, and he he's a German... He's from... He's actually originally from Israel. But he does a lot of shows in English in Germany. Makes sense, right? So, like, he, he does stand-up in English in Germany. And in, in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam, uh, Belgium, Vienna... All around, because people now, younger generation especially, all speak English. So Is that because like social media? You yeah, think yeah. You catch it like really quickly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that's what I would still, I would still do it in English, but I want to do a tour in Germany, um, maybe next year. I'm also going to get married next year. Maybe I can combine it. You do a little, do a little wedding tour, you You're know. you get married in Germany? I, we're just, we're talking about that right now because we got engaged last week. Now we're talking, I just got the phone with her actually. Um, Is she saying Chicago? You're saying Germany? No, no, no. She's actually leaning towards Germany as oh, well. Oh, wow. All right. Just because... You know, same with the price. It's just, how is the U.S. so expensive? It's unbelievable to me. But I get it, you know, it's got a lot to offer. But honestly, if, if anybody is out there and if anybody wants to pursue a regular job that's not entertainment, I feel like Europe is so much more sustainable to live. So much safer, so much more stable. There's way less what's called social differences in Germany where like, if you want to study and have a job and work for Mercedes and be an engineer, you, f you study for free in Germany. The government supports you throughout your studies and you can have a very well-paid job and not worry about much. And the rent is cheap to live in a beautiful place, you know, uh, crazy. And yeah, that's just, I just wanted to say that. Just quick shout out to Germany. <laughs> um, but, and that's why also like getting married in Germany would be, would be a lot more affordable for something way more epic. Like we can rent, I looked in some places this morning, we could rent a castle on an island on a lake in the south of Germany. There's a castle called Mainau, Schloss, Schloss Mainau. And it's way cheaper than renting freaking Navy, what's yeah, it called? Like a Pro restaurant. The pier yeah. or whatever, some random place here in, in New York, you know? And that's just the reality. So I think we might do something cool in Germany, like a castle or something, something epic, you know, from a little Jewish princess. <laughs> Um, and then maybe like a party or something in America, but yeah, LA, New York, Chicago. You I think, out. I think it would be Los Angeles. Just most of our friends are there. Mm -hmm. It would be like, we're thinking like, you know, something in Malibu on the beach would be cool. Can either spend it on, if we save that money, we can spend more of it on cocaine and hookers in Berlin. So <laughs> I think we're just like make that, exactly, make that decision. Well, yeah. dude, I hope you do move to New York at some point. And when you it's do, when you do come over here, we got to get you on a Ted Jones comedy show. But before we get out of here, Mario, let us know uh, what you've got coming up. That's exciting. Maybe professionally or uh, personally wise. And uh, yeah, just spit it down the tube. We're popping up your Instagram right yeah? here, bro. Fuck it, guys. I um, appreciate you guys. Um, follow me on Google Plus, uh, LinkedIn. <laughs> Subscribe to my OnlyFans. And, Do you uh, have a LinkedIn? That's it. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I made one. Love made it, dude. One. Official. My mom was like, you got to make one. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. I guess I'll make one. I have one. Never, never use it, though. Yeah. yeah. No, and I'm doing, I don't know when this comes out, but it's actually sold out, so fuck it. But, you know, I'm doing the New York Comedy Festival show, and then, yeah, MarioAdrian.com, comedy dates in LA. Mario, Fuck thank yeah. you so much for coming Pleasure, on the man. pod, dude. Fun. This is really that great. Guys, thanks so much for yeah. tuning in. Leave a comment. Email me, tedjonesworld at gmail.com. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>